0: Welcome to Indie Music Podcast episode 317, interview with Jordan Peer, leaving Richmond. Indie Music Podcast now has a Patreon at patreon.com/indie_musiccast and we invite you to become a member for exclusive benefits. For next to nothing per month, you can get members-only podcast video, early access to upcoming episodes, merch and more. This morning Matt and I get together with Jordan Peer, whose artist name is Leaving Richmond. We are so happy to have the opportunity to talk with him about producing music for Network Sync, Broadcast, TV, and his insights into this field of music production.
1: Enjoy the show! Hi and welcome to the Indie Music Podcast, the podcast for independent musicians and other audio professionals. We're your hosts. I'm Matt Denton, also known as Mojo of Ragged Birds Music. I'm a Bay Area mix engineer and recording artist. And Douglas Reynolds of Resonance Mastering, a mastering engineer in Bloomington, Illinois hey how are you man good how are you good to see you guys yeah good, good morning jordan good is the audio
2: you. okay you can hear me
1: yeah yeah okay great. great uh shall i do a formal introduction Uh oh, i think so sure <laughs> <laughs> hi everybody uh welcome to the indie music podcast today we have a very special guest jordan Peer of leaving richmond jordan is an artist working out of the la area he's creating uh instrumental music primarily uh, for television and uh, sync licensing, and um, yeah, he records as um, his artist name is Leaving Richmond. <laughs> welcome! I swear I thought we had you on already, but I guess I must have been thinking of the time we had you as a guest on the DIY Music Chat talking about things. Yes, sync. Uh, that was a, we, a while we linked
2: ago. up there. That was a while ago. I think we tried to to connect here once before, and it didn't work out. So I'm glad uh, okay. I'm glad that it did this time.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, welcome. Happy Saturday. Thank you. Yeah, thank happy you. Yeah, happy having, finally. You guys
0: having a good weekend. We've <laughs> been trying to get our schedules to work out for, since like uh, uh,
1: maybe um, uh, December. Yeah, a year or so ago. Time moves oh, differently really? now. So <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Why don't you start by telling us what um, what, uh, what leaving Richmond refers to.
2: Okay, so I, um, I'm i from the East Coast originally. I grew up in New York. I, I grew up on Long Island. And my family is from Queens. Um, oh. And they're actually from Richmond Hill, New York. Uh, so when I moved from New York to Los Angeles, I drove cross country, uh, put everything in a U-haul, and came out here. My mother actually moved out to California, also. So the last place that I that I stopped to help her pack all her stuff to go was uh, was Richmond Hill, New York. And um, so I was as I was driving from California, uh, rather New York to California, uh, I was leaving Richmond Hill, and I just kind of shortened it to leave in Richmond. And it's just, it's a very literal name that, that coincides with my, you know, my quest westward to, to take, to make music my career.
1: Oh, so it's kind of like uh, it's like your North star yeah. having that, having that be your yeah. name kind of <laughs> reminds you every time you see it, I imagine uh, why you, why you left and what you're doing there. Sure. Yeah. It, it's,
2: I guess it's like i will uh, I'll, I'll always be in some sense leaving, you know, leaving that part of my life behind and, and, and moving forward. So yeah, it does. It reminds me of
1: where I came from, and and you know what I've accomplished, and and everything that's changed. Well, that's unexpectedly poignant. <laughs> I can hear it now that you mentioned. I can hear a little touch of that Long Island accent still.
2: Uh, it comes around every now and again.
1: So I know
0: that you uh, primarily work for like sync licensing and working for uh, broadcast. Yes, um, that might be uh, uh television, other media. Uh, uh, I don't know if it radio or 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 not. But um, I was curious does that uh or was that kind of the the thing that you were going for when you uh when you left richmond you know and uh you know were was this what you were coming out to the west coast to uh you know to work on or it was, was it different at that point no it,
2: it was something that i was always interested in uh the type of music that i wrote um that I composed, Uh, I always, I was always compelled to write instrumental music and compose instrumental music. And just, it it was kind of an organic thing, just the style of music that I, that I created always lent itself very well to moving imagery and, and, Mm. and for soundtracking. When I did come out to California, my brother actually had been out in LA for six years before I showed up here. And he introduced me to, um, to a, a recording engineer, a recording, or he was a producer and an engineer who who wrote for TV and film. Um, so part of coming out to Los Angeles was to to link up with this individual, and I, I was very grateful for it. He took me under his wing, taught me how to engineer uh, in Logic, um, taught me how to write for TV, how to how to create tracks that would be appropriate for TV. Uh, so yeah, that that was a big part of of coming out here was 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 getting into that industry and being near it. And, um, you know, being surrounded by it and he, that I actually signed my first licensing contract with that, that, that mentor and one of the first placements. you know, that, that started a whole, a whole slew of placements for me that allowed me to eventually just, you know, learn the craft and go out on my
1: own and do my own thing. Well, that's cool. And you do that full time now, like you make a living doing that.
2: I do. Yes. Uh, I I'm, I'm very lucky to be busy enough to, to do, to work on it in, in a full-time schedule.
1: That's cool. I actually did not know that that was something that you had as your goal initially. I, for some reason, I always got the impression that you kind of fell into that because you were already making instrumental music and it just resonated that way. Right. And because I kind of knew you from Twitter, basically, as, a, as just kind of like a synthwave, kind of like instrumental artist. I didn't realize that that was... And I thought that the sync was something on the side. I didn't realize it was kind of the other way around. Uh, well,
2: I think it was. it was they were parallel to one another um you know releasing full-length albums as as leaving richmond was a goal you know and to to continue that and then uh expanding you know i guess my my catalog or body of work was was the other goal and those two things kind of ran parallel to one another and i you know i I got lucky uh being able to work with people out here that that allowed that to to become more of a you know more of
0: a focus Mm -hmm. i know you've talked about it a little bit uh, on some twitter posts that i saw and I think a lot of people, including myself, are interested in mm-hmm. kind of the mechanics of, of sync licensing, and uh, like what would be like kind of an overview of checklist items that you should you should pay uh, close attention to when wanting to uh, get into or, or produce some music for sync licensing
2: okay that's uh, well the first thing that I tell everybody this actually applies to any musician that's releasing music, but particularly if you are going to go for CubeSync sync licensing or uh, commercial licensing, whatever it is, is to register with a PRO um, like ASCAP or BMI. That's the organization that gets you your, your performance royalties monies. Um, and if you're not registered with them and you're not registering your songs with them, there's no way for you to, to collect that income. I'm with ASCAP. I've been with them since way back in New York. Uh, they're they're great for t- TV because they have like a, a like their cue sheet update system is very good, and you get to see what shows you're using your music and how much. And but that's the first thing that I would tell anybody, especially if you're getting into sync, is to register with a PRO. Then I would I would tell someone getting into it to learn the publishing side of things also. So. You know, ASCAP, that's the first step in getting your writer's royalties. You're the composer of a song. The song triggers royalties. ASCAP's going to collect that for you, which is also the publishing uh, end of things. Um, you may not, uh, you know, the goal, obviously, on every song is to retain as much of the publishing as you can. Sometimes you have to negotiate with that a little bit for whoever's placing the music or whoever's, uh, whatever show is, is is accepting the music. But if you retain a part of your publishing You have to also register as a publisher with that pro so you can collect those monies also so that's the first step is register with the pro and then learn the publishing side of things um i i mainly do q sync placements which i'm writing specific styles for specific tv shows Hmm. uh i would tell anyone that wants to get into this is to, to pay particular attention to the music you're hearing on tv um learn how to craft those cues appropriately. Learn a few different styles and get ready for. You know, this is a lot of work. It, it takes a lot of practice to get used to it. It takes a lot of rejection in the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. And learn how to break your tracks down into what are called deliverables. So essentially, if you write a two-minute cue or a minute and forty cue, minute and forty seems to be the the golden number right right now with with a lot of the companies that I work with, a lot of the shows I work on. You want your full mix. You want a thirty-second cut down a 15 second cut down a narrative and what's called a sting at a minimum you need to learn how to create those deliverables the, the 30 and 50 se- 15 second cutdowns are self-explanatory they're shorter versions of your main song um the sting however is something that a lot of people miss and it's so so important that's the last five to eight seconds of a cue um that's the outro of a cue it can't fade out it can't be cut off it can ring out you know it can it, it's fine if it rings out, but it has to be a solid ending. That standalone sting can sometimes get used more time or not. I mean, it pretty often can get used more times in the regular full length track and oh, it's, wow. it's a huge tool in the editor's toolbox. Um, so the more, you know, the, the easier you can make the editor's life the music supervisor, the editor's life, the more placements you're going to get. And um, those three things would be the main piece of advice that I give somebody learn. Join ASCAP or BMI, learn publishing, and then learn how to cr- craft a track properly, and, and the alternates and the deliverables. Those are those are of paramount importance.
1: Wow, that's that's, that's fantastic.
0: Really <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, when you're a, when you're crafting these these cues, this was something again I learned when I came out here. When you're crafting like a thirty second cue or fifteen second cue, uh, or version you want to give them something that necessarily doesn't exist in the in the full track modify it in some way that the, it's oh. the ending is a little bit different or maybe even the arrangement is a little different so that it, it has the the main hook of your cue or the it has the the meat and potatoes of the cue but it's just a, it's a does something they couldn't just pull out of the full track you want to give them uh, something okay. else to work with i've always uh, narrative is that's so i mean if you see the word narrative that's just another way of saying no no lead part you're gonna if you have a guitar part or piano melody you strip that out and it's just the underlying beds that's uh, that and that's for you know if there's a dialogue if they want the feel of your cue but there's a dialogue very dialogue heavy scene they can use the narrative
1: and then you still get the placement you know for that cue. and when you register those do you register those as derivative works of the same thing in your in your with your hero you can do
2: that. Yeah, that works. You can do derivative works or you can rep, you can, as it, it really is up to the, a lot of time it'll come over as both. Sometimes it'll come over as a separate track and sometimes it'll come over as a derivative work. It, it's a lot of that has to do with um, how, the, how they, reg, how they submit the queue sheet and how they
0: file it. Do, do each one of those versions have their own ISRC? They do. They can. Yeah.
2: That a lot of times, you know, they'll, they will, they'll be separate tracks. So yeah.
0: Okay so there's potential for royalties yeah, on all them, yeah. each one of the individual versions
2: then. Yeah that's what's great about that's what's great about understanding deliverables and understanding those edits is you have now made your track like five times more licensable you know yeah. cuz they can use I've I've had multiple versions of the same track used in a show and it, every every time either one of them plays you get you know you're creating a royalty.
1: Wow. Well, I've already learned a whole bunch of things <laughs> and I thought I knew some stuff. <laughs> Is, uh, would you consider sync to be a competitive uh, field and has it changed over the last few years?
2: Uh, it, it's a hyper competitive field because, you know, as, as so- home software continues to get better and continues to grow, more and more people can, can write, record, compose, and produce just from, from wherever they are. So there's more and more people submitting for these opportunities every year. How it's changed, however, I will say, even from when I started, is that there is just an unlimited amount of content being produced now. So there are lots of opportunities. And all of those shows need music. And a lot of them are wall-to-wall music. Any show that you watch, uh, you know, dramatic or reality or otherwise, it, there's music from beginning to end. So even though there are more people working in this industry or, or trying to work in this industry, there, there's there's seemingly endless opportunities between streaming and, and YouTube and, and uh you know, the various outlets. So that, I mean, that's, yes,
1: it's very competitive though. So it sounds so like there's more opportunities, but because there's so many new people coming in,
2: kind of uh, you, out.
1: you have to have your ducks in a row. Otherwise you're probably just kind of like rejected outright as, as being maybe unprofessional sure. or not knowing your stuff. Yeah. They, they don't really have time to, there's not a lot of
2: time for them to give you notes. Right. I mean, if you're working directly with a, with a music supervisor or a show, then you know if it's a if it's if it's a spot like a commercial then yeah and they you know they you have a good relationship with whoever's placing the music then yeah there could be some back and forth and some notes but a lot of the times it's there's not there's just not time for it so you have to you have to make sure that what you're sending out the door is is ready to go sonically and and structurally and and is ready to be plopped in and on to the next
0: thing Wow. Interesting. So they don't really have like a post-production on the audio part. What you're delivering is what's expected to be, um, the final produced product. A lot of the times. Yeah.
2: A lot of times, uh, if, if you're working, you know, again, if you're like the main composer for a show, obviously there's going to be a lot of notes and back and forth and edits and all that. But as you're coming up and you're getting placements know that you want to make sure that what you send out the door is as close to finished or is, is finished, you know, and and ready to go.
0: Hmm. So most of, um, everything that I've seen uh, uh, you publish and, and talk about has been solo works. Yes. Um, uh, do you ever do any collaborative works? You know, I've been
2: not great <laughs> about collaborations. Uh, I, I kind of, I put my head down, I get in a zone and I kind of just, I, you know, I go for it this year, this coming year, I'm going to try to focus a little bit more on collaborations. There, there have been some collaborative efforts in the past. I have worked with people uh, and, and it's always, it's always been a good time, but I haven't been great about that in the recent years. Um, but it is something I want to explore, you know, going forward for there in, in this year. It's funny you should mention it. I was actually just thinking about that the other day and <laughs> how I come up with a plan for that.
1: <laughs> and would that be for cues or would that be for more like more like solo album kind of stuff? I
2: would do both. I would be happy to do both. Um, you know, there, there are genres that I, I, I work in and I have a lot of success with, and there's g- genres that I, I have to learn how to, to do properly. So mm. the ones that I have to learn, I would love to work with somebody who's more experienced and, you know, build up uh, an expertise in those also. And as far as the solo worker or, or leaving uh, f- full-length albums, I-, I would like to do that just to just you, know, ex- expand my horizons a little bit, because you never know what kind of cool stuff you can, you can unleash uh, working in a collaborative effort.
1: Well that just made me think of something which is that are isn't it, is your intent to kind of do what you already know well and kind of your wheelhouse is one thing and people music supervisors know you for a certain kind of style and they go oh you know what I'm going to I'm going to hit up Jordan for this stuff Sure. or are you trying to expand and and learn different styles so that you can be more versatile or do you feel like that's just a stretch and I don't but know I how think does
2: that work? both of those things are are a good place to be if you become a go-to guy for a show or a supervisor a music supervisor that's great and i think that if you find success with that and you feel comfortable and you're inspired doing that do that um i I would like to because you know like i said because of the unending amount of content that's out there it is good to to be versatile you can have your main focus your thing that you're really good on but be able to do those other cover those other genres uh just to just to keep working, you know just to expand your your body of work and your catalog, um, there are some composers out there you know they're they're brilliant, they can just do everything in every genre perfectly um, <laughs> uh, but i I find the majority have a have a focus you know there's there's something that they're really good at, um, but they're versatile enough to cover you know multiple opportunities at once, and that's kind of where that's kind of where I've been working for the last couple of years. I've been honing, honing the stuff that I'm good at and kind of expanding my, my set to cover more opportunities.
0: It kind of, once I want to ask um, of your musical background and maybe it's something should have been asked earlier. Um, but uh, um, did, did you study formally or are you uh, predominantly self-taught or uh, where did you, um, you know, really start uh, learning about music and composition? I, um, I
2: had very, very little formal training. I mean, I I started actually playing saxophone in elementary school. uh, (laughs) Okay. And I loved it. I learned how to read music and I learned the basics of, you know, music theory and marching band and band and all that. Um, I took guitar lessons when I was, when I first started playing uh, guitar again, back in New York, but not, not, it was, it was casual. It was like, you know, at a music, local music store and, um, Mm learned how to play a lot of other people's songs and all that. And I did, I, you know, I, I, I expanded my understanding of theory there, but other than that, after those few years of, of, of lessons, it was really just experimentation and playing by ear and, and trying to figure stuff out that I heard, uh, or emulate composers that I, that I enjoy or that I like listening to. Um, so it was very, I would say it was a couple of years of formal training. And then since then, it's really just been, it's been self-taught, you know, it's, it's, just doing it on my own. Yeah. And it's endless I mean, the thing is there's endless resources now on if you want to take a guitar lesson on YouTube. Sure. You know, or piano lesson or whatever it is, is there's there's nothing stopping. I'm kinda of envious of, of kids who want to, are getting into learning an instrument now because it's all out there.
1: Right. Well, this has been a lot of business focus and you sound very business like and <laughs> and this is your job and um but I happen to know that you really do love music and you love making you. music. And um so, yeah. So, tell us what, what's your what's your like favorite part about doing this for a living?
2: You know, I the it's it's inspiring to every aspect of my life to, to be able to to sit down and create uh, a track, you know, from an idea in my head. Get getting the idea out of my head to a finished product. That that entire process is still thrilling to me. I, you know, I don't I don't care if it's a full length, you know, four and a half minute track or you know, a thirty-second bump or something like that. Just the the uh, taking an abstract idea, bringing it to life, uh, producing it, and then listening to the final product. Um, that the entirety of that process is something that is is always is always exciting to me. And and you know, I guess uh, when so when I first started this, and I would I got enough placements where I was receiving briefs for shows directly, or I was receiving briefs for tension cues or drink, hmm. You're a little kind of like apprehensive in the beginning, like, Oh, can I do this? Um, it, 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 you get nervous about sending over the wrong stuff and, and then not getting any more emails or anything like that. Uh, <laughs> my personal evolution from being apprehensive about that to like, gimme, gimme, you know, I, I'm confident <laughs> enough. to get to a point of confidence where you're no longer apprehensive. You get the brief, you look, you know, you're out or whatever, you get it on your phone, you start crafting the track in your head, you know, which plugins you're going to use, you know, how you are going to mix it? Um, you start to develop melody that, personal evolution of being going from apprehension to confidence has been uh, an awesome journey. So and how a, long did
1: that take? Cause I've always wondered about that. You get a briefing like, Oh my God, I don't know what to do with this. <laughs>
2: it took, it took a solid couple of years. Uh, yeah. I, I'd say, uh, you know, I, I went on out, out on my own own for uh, where I was just doing it on my own about five or six years ago. I, I'd say it took about a solid, if I'm being honest, about two years of, uh, submitting stuff, getting some placements, getting rejections, et cetera, before I felt really super confident. And it, it, it doesn't happen. You know, there's not like one day you wake up and you're like, I'm confident now I can do whatever I want. <laughs> it, it is a gradual thing, but I, I would say in, you know, in, in the first couple of years it, it, of, of experimentation and, and learning became, became something that I was really, you know, I was really good at.
0: I got to imagine that the rejections are just as important oh, sure. as, uh, as the, accept- you know, that's, even if you don't get like a direct feedback from somebody um knowing that that wasn't exactly what they were looking for being able to look at the uh um the sheet that uh, uh you know that you'd, you wrote that music you know from and get trying to get an idea of you know where your thoughts and ideas on that deviated from what their expectations were you know that that in and of itself is is really good feedback, sure. you know, if you can take the time to look at it.
2: You know, mistakes are, or not mistakes, or rejections are are great. They're great teachers. Um, and you have, to, I guess if you're in the lucky, you know, tiny percentage of people that land in LA and you start getting hits right away, and that happens to some people, they just, they, they're in the right place at the right time and they have the right sound and the right skill set, they, they they get going right away. But for most people, yes, that the rejection is important it forces you to two things it decide if this is what you want to do um right. if this is a field you want to stay in uh and it also forces you to hone hone your craft if if you're not if you're not getting placements, you're not seeing the number of placements you want or people aren't, aren't reacting to you know what you're creating it forces you to to really look at it break it down to its atoms and see what's working and what's not working and at any time it's going to just make you a better it's going to make you a better musician a better producer a better composer uh, no matter what you're working on, and it continues. No, you, you know, mention
1: that, that, and I think a lot of people who are just doing music without that feedback loop mm-hmm. um struggle, and they don't know why they're not hitting. You know what I mean? They don't yeah. necessarily go back and go, "Okay, I didn't get that many plays, or nobody, you know, I didn't get that many buys on Bandcamp." Right. I feel like they're lacking that feedback loop. And if you get rejections, you're like, "Okay, I've submitted this five times and nobody wanted it. What what could I do to make it better?" Right. Uh,
2: exactly. That. It, and that, that is why it's important because you you do it's, it's it's sort of like it's it's going continually going upstream. If you're just trying the same thing over and over again and it's not working, but you don't you're not hearing why you're not getting an right. idea why it can be frustrating. Uh, the other thing I would say, and this is a, this is in regard to that for for people getting started with this is do be patient because you can actually start getting placements a lot earlier than you suspect. It takes anywhere six months to a year for a shoot to come in. So you may be scoring placements in that first year that you don't even know about. So oh. g- give yourself, be prepared. And this is why, again, patience and perseverance is a very important thing because it could be a year before you start to see those cue sheets come in. Cause they don't always notify you, you know, they don't reach out to you and say, Hey, we use your track. You've got to wait for that cue sheet to come in. Right. Um, so give it at least a year before you pull. You know, you pull the ripcord. <laughs> uh, that's because, a long game, man. Uh, it is. It is. Um, and that's you know that's that's why even though there's a lot of people trying, so few people stick with it because it does. There is a lot of waiting. You know, hurry up and wait yeah. kind of
1: thing. That's good information. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this all of this has been. Yeah, I know. I'm getting an get education, and I've taken a class in this. Right. I'm always happy t- to talk
2: about it.
0: We're taking a class, in a yeah. I know we're yeah. getting a masterclass right now. <laughs> uh, yeah.
2: yeah, and this is just my experience. Like they, they, I, I, I am, you know, encourage people to explore uh, different avenues. That the PROs themselves are great resources of information. You know, so if you mm. join ASCAP, their website is chock full of information on how publishing works, and publishing is a is a constantly growing, changing entity. So it, if you're not focused directly in it, you it. Take a lifetime to learn all of the ins and outs of music publishing but at least get yourself an idea on it you know how it works
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh the mechanics of it but i youtube is an endless you know trove of information also there's people that just like to sh- you know they like to share their knowledge and sure um even you guys the masterclass you're taking is a great example but th- this has just been my experience and where i've my focus has kind of landed but i would encourage people to to never stop learning you know always always take the opportunity to learn new new things
1: yeah let's let's Flip this for a second. Instead of talking about the, the business and publishing side, let's talk about the, the music creation side. And I know you work in Logic. Yes. And you basically mix all of your own, produce and mix all of your own stuff. I do. Right. Uh, and Do you master it before you send it out? I mean, do you give it a final polish or do you just like mix it and know that it's going to go out? You know, I mean, you mix it as, as well as you can and you know that they're going to do some processing in the editing phase. So there's no point in doing that final Bit, or how do, how does that I do
2: I mix and master um I give it a final polish before I send it out um and that's been that's been successful for me I've, I've never gotten a note really to say hey leave the you know processing off of this or or, or mm-hmm. don't master it um i i I give it and actually i take i I enjoy the the mixing and mastering process uh and I'm still learning how to every you know every day I still learn but each track you learn new techniques and you sure you, but yes i do I mix and master all the cues um for for some of the Leaving Richmond material, the full-length albums, I do send that out. I, I generally will send that out for mixing and mastering. You see, the cues are very rapid fire. You produce right. those very, very quickly, week after week. The Leaving Richmond material, the full-length tracks, you spend so much time on those tracks that you need an outside perspective. Mm-hmm. And I find that you should have someone else you trust mix and master your tracks because they're go- having someone come in Uh, without a personal relationship to those tracks and without ever having heard them before. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, it can go in one of two directions. It can be magical thing where you hear, you hear things that you never thought that you would, or they, they focus on things in the songs that um, you didn't necessarily, you know, think of or, or it cannot work out and you find, you know, you go in different direction, but uh, the, as far as the cues are concerned, yes, that, that is all done in house.
0: So, do you have a a main instrument that you like to compose on? I compose or is that kind of by, by inspiration.
2: Yeah, I compose everything on the structure and the arrangement of everything's done on the guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, dramatic. A lot of dramatic, depending on the show, but some some dramatic music features a lot a, a lot of guitar, and others is more uh, synth and 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 string based and percussive. But as far as the arrangements go, um, I. I, everything originates uh, through the guitar. I'm able to, even if the guitar doesn't make it to the end product or the final track, the, the arrangement will always be originated on the guitar.
1: Yeah. I see some guitars behind you. Um, and uh, yeah. at least one bass. Is, yeah. Is that your, is that your music room right there?
2: It is. Um, this is my studio. This is my studio area. And yeah, this is my that acoustic guitar. the That's my guitar from New York that I, I learned to play on. Uh, so okay. it has a special place on the wall. Uh, but this this area here yeah, is where everything is. Uh, uh, it's it's a it's, an, it's a it's very good home base. It's it's set up. You know, it, it's constantly evolving. Obviously, constantly adding things and taking away. But having a space of your own to record and, and and write and produce is is really an amazing thing. Like not having to not having to wrangle time someplace or or uh, you know do it only certain hours of the night is really is life changing. <laughs>
0: Right. I dig the uh, locker storage. Oh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I, you know,
2: <laughs> it was. I wanted to have a it, that. That's four man function because I wanted to have some kind of colorful background for for you know meetings like this or or making videos or what have you. And uh, these lockers they provide excellent storage and <laughs> it's a nice pop of color. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> well, let's see. Um, we probably should uh, start closing up here as we are running out of time. All right
1: um matt did you have any uh thing for the uh way out here no i just wanted to say thank you so much for taking the time to meet with us so this has definitely been an education and um yeah it's good finally talking face to face after yeah, knowing was, you on it Twitter was a pleasure for so long <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we all exist we all we all <laughs> really <laughs> exist we're real people well not all of us but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's bots <laughs> we're not <Yeah>. bots.
0: <laughs> really really happy to uh, finally get to speak with you. Jordan, it's been a long time coming. And uh we definitely appreciate your uh your social channels and always look forward to uh seeing you out there and thanks so much for coming to visit us. Oh was my,
2: my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was uh I always enjoy talking about this stuff. So yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you for having me on.
1: So I think as way of an outro we're gonna play one of your um one of your non-cue tracks from one of your albums. Um and the song is called The Frequency of You. All right everybody. Enjoy your week, Jordan.
0: Thanks again. And, um, uh, everybody have an excellent Saturday. Yeah, you too, guys. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks everyone. Bye-bye.
1: Wraps up another episode of the Indie Music Podcast. Please like and subscribe, share with your friends, or just leave us a review on iTunes if you like what you've heard. Find our social links and episode guide at IndieMusicCast.com. Until next time, keep creating!